Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Gail and I are going to be discussing the hot July books coming out. Before we get to that, as per our usual, Gail, what have I am mired in a book that I'm really, really not liking, and I'm so tempted to DNF it, and I feel like I've invested too much, and... You know, okay, so now that I think about it, a cu- not a couple of shows ago, I think you had mentioned that you were going to come back and tell us about a book that you were having issues with, and I sensed a little bit of a rant. Is it the same book? That you were talking about? That's a good question. It must have been this one. Yeah. Because I think it was an audio that you were having issues with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to give it a rant because I have admiration for this author and for what she's trying to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of my complaint about it is not her fault with this book. So it's called The Submission. It's by Amy Waldman. And I'm going to say this book came out six years ago. Um. Let me just check the let me just check the date of the because it's because it's it's actually relevant. Uh, the submission by Amy Waldman was published in come on Goodreads being slow. Um, it was published in 2011. Okay, so it's seven years old. So here's the premise of the book. It's it's like two years after 9/11, so it must be 2003, and the city of New York or whoever, I guess it is the city of New York has held a contest. This is not, this is fiction, of course, has held a contest for somebody to submit a design for a memorial at uh, ground zero. And there's a committee made up of a combination of sort of uh, art people, architecture experts, wealthy people in New York, um, there's somebody who's uh, a, a family member of someone who died in the towers and it's all judged blindly. And in the end they decide on this one design, which is a garden to honor the people who died. And it turns out that the person who submitted that design is Muslim. His name is Muhammad Khan. He's an American uh, living in New York who is an architect and he has submitted this design. So, of course, they're all dismayed at the time when they f- reveal that it's the Muslim man who does it. And it starts this huge controversy over whether it, you know, that's appropriate to have this design, made, you know, credited to a Muslim man. So the things that are good about it are that, you know, at least it tackles like a, a really interesting issue. And it's an important book. And it's about you know, serious issues about, you know, uh, prejudice and, um, or prejudice, I guess prejudice isn't a word. Prejudice. It's like, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Prejudice. <laughs> it's about what is it, you know, uh, should it matter that this memorial would, that it, but it, you know, it starts to invoke all these sort of Islamic, um, these other Islamic sites around the world that are gardens and should that matter and then it gets into the complicated 
lobby of the families. And then there's like, you know, some side stories, like there's a woman, a Bangladeshi woman whose husband was in the towers that day, but he's an illegal, he was an illegal, um, you know, immigrant. He wasn't, he didn't have the right to be in this country, but he was working as like a janitor. And then is he entitled to the death benefits? So, I mean, there's interesting issues in there and it's, it's, it's definitely a heavy read. So that's the good stuff about it. The bad stuff is that the woman who wrote it, I believe is a journalist and there's, it doesn't feel, it feels like it's written like a long article about something that actually happened. It feels extremely realistic, but there's just not a lot of like narrative creativity or art to it. And it's just a slog. And, you know, every few paragraphs, she's changing to a different subplot, whether it's the woman who's the the survivor or it's uh, the architect himself or it's the, the governor who's, you know, this very thinly veiled Hillary Clinton who's running, you know, going to be running for president. And so it just feels like I, I wish she'd picked one storyline to tell instead of all these storylines. And I think also, and this is not her fault, but I feel like right now in this country, we're not really focused on Muslims as the quote unquote enemy anymore. I think our enemy is, is within our country as opposed to like, you know, this, this Muslim threat at the moment, at least as far as our attention. And it it feels a little outdated to me. Like, it feels like I really can't imagine us all being so worked up over this right now, given what we are contending with in our white house and in our country and immigration. It's just, you know, I don't know. feels, it already feels dated. So that's not her fault. So I'm like a hundred, I'm about 50% through it. And I, I just, but that was accurate at the time. So does that feel dated for? No, probably not. As a, I mean, I mean, now it's sort of like, it's the past. Yeah, no, I'm sure like if I'd read it when it came out, which is when I initially wanted to read it, you know, then, yeah, then it would have been, it would have felt. So your moment has passed. Yeah, or I feel like it's cultural moment has passed. It's not just me, but I feel like for anybody picking this up. I mean, and it's too minute. Like, if it were, I I don't think 9-11 fiction will ever be outdated. Um, And I still read books. I feel like 9-11, I mean, I'd love to, like, do a whole show on, like, how 9-11 has impacted fiction or how it's been depicted. And I... I mean, for those of us who live through it, I don't think we'll ever, it will, that will ever feel remote. I think it's all these like ripple effects from 9-11 that do feel dated in here now, like all this kind of Islamophobia and, and I don't know, survivor family stuff. I, for whatever reason that it just, it feels like we've kind of moved on from that and we have just bigger, we have other fish to fry. We had big fish to fry then, but we have other fish to fry now. And so... If it just feels like it's kind of, it feels almost tedious to, to revisit it. So I don't know, maybe in the hands of a different writer, I wouldn't feel that way. Right. But so like, okay, let me ask you, can I, how far do I need to get through this book before I can count it as one of my books read for the year? Because <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's what's getting me through it right now. Like I got to finish it, right? That's what I, I mean. I, I've oh, never just... not finished a book and counted it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can do that. So I don't know, but you could probably get through something else more quickly than it will take you to slog through this is my probably true. 
And should I take it on my vacation and just try to just get? No. Really? Okay. Well, you said that you, you said in the show where we talked about the books that you're taking on vacation that you wouldn't do that. You wanted to. Yeah, you're right. You're going to engross yourself and you just want something that's going to sweep you along. So, yeah, why put yourself in sort of a bad mood? All right, so just leave it. Yeah. Okay. Good advice. Yeah, so that's my rant. I mean, again, like, I'm not angry at her. Like, sometimes I get angry at authors because I feel like, you know, why did you do that? It just, I don't know. This one just is not, it's not doing it for me. (laughs) How about you? What are you reading? So I'm reading Look Alive Out There by Sloane Crossley. Oh, okay. I've never read anything by her. Yeah, I haven't either. I mean, besides her columns, I think she writes... um, the hot list books columns in Vanity Fair. I've read that. And I also have her fiction book called The Class, which I picked up because it was, I think it was a retelling of something or had hints of something else. So I have that and I never read it. Yeah, didn't we get that at Um, the I don't know, maybe. So... I'm reading it for my book club. Um, it's supposed to be humorous essays, which, you know, I cringed when I heard humorous. <laughs> and I'm not really a big essay reader. So this is sort of out of my wheelhouse. And I was doing okay with it. Like, the first essay is just sort of about the rules on the streets of New York. And then she had sort of like this really, I don't know, borderline disturbing essay about how she just spent years obsessed over her teenage neighbor who was keeping her up at night Um, when she's living in the West Village. And I guess he's living in a townhouse and her building overlooks his um, backyard and he's always so noisy. So it's sort of about how she becomes obsessed and enmeshed in his life. Um, And then I hit one that I really didn't like. I don't know why it annoyed me so much, but it was about her going hiking up some mountain, her experience there. I'm not an essay person. I guess what annoyed me about that one is I didn't find that one particularly funny. Even though I think some people in my book loved it. We didn't discuss this book a lot, um, which was, which was interesting, but I am, I mean, I'm halfway through. So sort of like you, I want to count it. And some of the essays have been good. I mean, she is she is a funny writer. She captures interesting details. Like she has this one where she talks about when she played herself on Gossip Girl, uh-huh. <laughs> which was kind of humorous. Um, so, I mean, in, as anything with essays and short stories, they can be hit or miss. It's not a cohesive narrative. It's not my thing. But, and even though we've met for this book club, I'm still trying to finish, finish it because I've read half of it and it's short. So it's one of those short books that is sort of annoying because I have not finished it yet. Because I'm like, it's 256 pages, but I'm just not an essay girl. Yeah, I can relate to that. There's no, like, narrative propulsion. Right. It's sort of like, okay, I read that one and it was okay. Or I read that one and I laughed. But there's nothing, because you really don't know what you're going to get in the next story, Especially if you didn't like the story that you just read, it's kind of hard to pick it back up. Yeah. Because it's a crapshoot. Yep. 
So that's my story. Okay. Are you reading anything else we should know about? Um, I'm still listening to Rough Beauty by Karen Ovenen on audio. Um, so I think I have like three hours left of that. So um, I think I have a couple of commutes. You know, I'll go to the gym and I have some physical therapy coming up. So I'll probably be able to finish that this week mm-hmm. and get started on something else. Coming up, I'm going to be reading Florida by Lauren Groff oh, for a okay. book club. Okay. So it's another, it's a collection of short stories. It's supposed to be like these dark stories about Florida. I just spent a couple of weeks in Florida. So I'm kind of curious to see as if um, I'll get through those more easily since at least it has a theme. She must be from there because I remember part of Fates and Furies was set there too, right? Oh, I didn't read that one. Yeah. Was that good? Fates and Furies. Ugh, I don't think it was as good as everyone else thought it was. Okay. I didn't love it. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. Uh, it memorable. It sticks with me. Uh-huh. Um, that was a, the hot book of 2016. Probably. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. It was okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So... What have you got for us? What are you looking forward to? What's What should we be reading? All right. Well, these are books that are new that I think are notable. Whether or not I will read them, of course, is a separate question. But um, the first is that Ann Tyler has a new book out, and it's called Clock Dance. And this seems to be a book about a couple or a woman whose life, they kind of revisit her life every 10 years or so. Like, it's like it takes place in night it's it opens in 1967 and then it goes to 1977 and then it goes to 97 and then 2017 so i don't know like if that's sort of a contrived narrative conceit or whether like you know there's true significance to those years but they all are different parts of her life and then i guess it takes you to the present and she gets kind of someone from her past or some connection from her past is revisited so I haven't read Ann Tyler in a while. I think I read, i trying to think of what the last Ann Tyler book I read was. Um, I mean, I definitely read her, her back in the day. Oh, Digging to America. I read that. I guess that was, a lot, that was 10 years ago. I don't think I read A Spool of Blue Thread. Or no, I did read A Spool of Blue Thread. I think I did read that one. And I don't think I loved that one. But I, I mean, she's sort of like a reliable, quiet, domestic fiction writer and um I don't know I I always feel like a new book by her is kind of notable yes it is yeah so that's out now I haven't read any reviews yet I don't know anyone who's I mean I haven't reading like the blogosphere about it yet so um have you have you heard anything about it I haven't I didn't realize she had a new book out I guess that was the last one I read by her, the Digging to America. I had thought I had read uh, a spool of blue thread, but now that I'm sort of looking it up, it doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, I feel like I've read one of her books, probably whatever the most famous one is. <laughs> um, Accidental Tourist, Breathing Lessons. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've heard a lot about Breathing Lessons, but I have not read a lot of her. I wonder if she holds up, you know, like she, 
writes these books. They're always set in Baltimore. They're always about these kind of middle-class families, um, like blue-collar families. And I don't know, maybe she was of an era, like sort of of like 60s, 70s, 80s. I don't know. And I wonder right. if like with kind of edgier writing today, if she seems quaint and maybe boring or if she still has it in terms of the narrative uh, pull. So I don't know. i curious to know, like, do people read her because she's Ann Tyler or do people actually like really, really love reading a new Ann Tyler book? I think at one point I feel like she was probably taught a lot in terms of the detail that she offers. Mm hmm. Or the struck the way she structures her novels, the yeah the narrative structure and the progression and the characters. I don't know. I feel like the accidental tourist. Even when I read it, I felt like it was sort of quaint because that was one of those books that I, I think I had heard about. That was just an example of good writing, or you know, that just had so much to offer in that respect. Mm -hmm. So I want to see what it was like, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's my first June, uh, July release. How about you? So this is so funny because the book that I have on my list is called My Year of Rest and Relaxation. It's by Otessa Moshvig. And, you know, I don't know why, but I had it in my head, even though the book has like this absurd cover. I had it in my head that it was going to be a memoir. <laughs> Oh, and I'm sort of like not. my year. No, it's not my year of rest and relaxation. It's a novel and it's about a Columbia graduate. Um, she's working at an art gallery. She's working at an art gallery, but I think she is sort of supported by an inheritance and her parents die, I think. And then she has like issues going on with her, her boyfriend and so then she just sort of decides to just take a break from life. And I, and I was just thinking that this was um, a memoir. So, and I was interested as in, in a memoir. Um, I'm just really curious to see what this is like as a novel. Cause it's like so surprising to me now. What does it mean to take a break from life today? Oh, does that mean just not working? Does it mean cutting out? internet and social media? Like, what does that mean? Well, this is actually set in 2000. So I don't oh, know that okay. there, I don't know. Like I, I am curious, like I can't, things have changed and so much stuff has just become so much more integrated in our lives. And it probably was, you know, in 2000. So it's a bit of a look back, I guess it'll be an interesting question because it's sort of like the submission. Will this look yeah this look back, you know, how does that hold up? But anyway, she takes a break and it's under the influence of drugs designed to heal her from the alienation of the world. So I don't know if she's like on antidepressants or whatever, but I think she's like trying to figure out what the source or figure out and address the source of her unhappiness. Since she has a life that seems like it's pretty full of ennui Hmm. Okay. But like I said, super curious because, you know, I had such a different um, thought in my head when I'm thinking of it as a memoir. I don't think I ever even bothered to read what the book was about. I was like, oh, my year of rest and relaxation. 
just like you're asking them like, oh, I'm curious, what does that look like? You know, what did she do? Right. <laughs> and now it's a novel. So interesting. All right. So that's out this month. That's out this month. Okay. Um, okay, so my next one is one that you've read called The Last Cruise by Kate Christensen. I've not read anything by her before, but I've been tempted. And This was the first book I'd ever heard of hers. Oh, okay. Heard um, of. And it's about a cruise ship that's about to be retired. It's the last ship, just the last trip that this cruise is going to take. And... It's about, I guess, the people on the cruise who are mostly rich, upper-class people, but it's got intrigue and, I don't know, actually, why don't you say what it's about? Because I haven't read it, and you have. (laughs) So, basically, it's about, it follows, it zeroes in very closely on six passengers who are on this cruise among the wealthy. Yes, so they're taking, it's like the final destination of this cruise. So, it's like themed back in the day. And it follows like a chef who, because of circumstances on the cruise, he gets sort of elevated and gets to to do more than he normally would on a cruise, like sort of planning the menu. And the menu, of course, is is set based on what people would have eaten at the time that this actual cruise ship was in its heyday. So there's there's musicians on there who have traveled together, I think a couple of them are married to each other and it is about this one young woman is sort of taking a break. She's taking a girl trip with her girlfriend who's a journalist and she's getting away from her husband. It's her first vacation that she's taken without him. So she's sort of getting to let loose and it's just basically about exploring where they are in their lives, how happy they are with their choice, the choices that they've made. And sort of at its heart, it's kind of a romance because each of them has very different realizations about um, the relationships in their lives and how they want to continue going forward. And of course, there is um, something happens on the cruise that just sort of changes everything. And there's trials that they have to suffer. Well, and I won't you say- recommend it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. But it is... It is subtle. Like, it's not, it's sort of, it can be very interior because it's like in the heads of these, in the heads of these six, you know, it focuses on six main characters. And it talks a lot about the choices that they've taken that have gotten them to this moment on the cruise ship. So it's not, it's a more subtle novel. It's not like if you're looking for like huge, big action to happen, even though there is a precipitating event that, you know, causes everyone that just ratchets up the tension for everything. It's something that doesn't happen till like the latter parts of the book. So if it's one of, if you're looking for something that where things are going to happen right away, then you won't enjoy this. Like it's a quieter, just more thoughtful approach to everything that goes down. Okay. All right. So what's your next one? So my next book is the garden party and I was actually hoping, I thought that I had this book and I don't, you know, like maybe it's among my boxes somewhere and I have several shelves of books. So I'm going to try to track it down. It's called The Garden Party by Grace Dane Mazur. And it is about a rehearsal dinner 
that takes place and it brings two different families together and is set over the course of a single day. Oh, that's catnip for you. Yes. I know you, you t- kind of tend to not like books that are set in a single no, day, right? No, I don't. But I like books that are rehearsal dinner. Yeah, I you know, there is just something interesting about this where you have different families. Like um, one is is a, basically a family of lawyers and intellectuals and, you know, the other family has social activists. So it's sort of throwing very different people together over the course of something that is very important for them to get along and to just see what happens. And I've read about this book. It looked good. So it's like, it's sort of too, because it's a wedding, it's a generational novel, you know, how you have the, the, the younger set all the way up to the older set. And, you know, the cover, it's like this tree with a table set under it, you know, so they're going to be sitting outside. It takes place in Massachusetts. You know, I went to college mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. So, yeah, it sort, of, it sort of is, as you say, catnip for me. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Okay, so my last one is called Dear Mrs. Bird. And I'm going to pull up the thing. Okay, so this is a World War II book. Because, you know, World War II hasn't really been sufficiently covered in fiction. Nope. And we need another perspective on it. Um, This is about a woman who's a volunteer telephone operator for the Auxiliary Fire Service. I'm assuming this is in London. And she has a boyfriend who's in the, who's fighting in Germany or fighting wherever he is. But she actually wants to um, cover the war. And so she is, she becomes a uh, um, advice columnist and she decides to, I guess, use these letters uh, to, I don't know. She does something with these letters that allow her to start to play a bigger role in covering the war. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the twist is, but there's some subterfuge that she does and uh, makes it so that she can kind of do her part and get beyond just the frivolity of this advice columnist. So it's supposedly a charming story full of as much pluck and grit as its protagonist. So I don't know why this one jumped out at me when I was looking at books that were coming out, but I don't know, just sounds good. And it's, it seems like another nice twist on World War II fiction. It's by somebody named A.J. Pierce. I just finished a book about advice columnists, so clearly I have a little thing for him. Right. Maybe you'll find the satisfaction. That was missing from... That was missing from your other one. Yeah. Uh, How about you? What's your third one? So my third book is Charlotte Walsh. Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win. It's by Joe Piazza. Um, I feel like she has a book that comes out each summer. Um, Last year, it was Fitness Junkie. And the year before that, it was The Knockoff, I think. Um, She usually has a co-writer. This time, she's writing this by herself. And it is about a woman who's running for Senate in the most important race of the country during a midterm election that will decide the balance of power in Congress. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) So um, it talks about this woman's campaign and how she's, um, you know, what she goes through in the campaign. And she has 
an opponent who is fighting dirty. So it's sort of about just a political ambition and politics and it says infidelity and what it's like for a woman to run for national office in America today. So I'm really interested to read this one. Oh, that sounds timely. Um, it sounds timely. She usually um, focuses on timely issues, but they have sort of a light touch too. So I'm interested if this will be a departure for her, but it just, it, it sounds like it's right up my alley. Um, that sounds more timely than a submission. Well, I hate to say it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I have a few like that too, that are coming out that I read. I read Killing It in Education. It's coming out July 24th. It's by Camas Davis. It's a memoir about this woman who basically gets fired from her magazine job and decides that she wants to take the last few remaining dollars on her credit card, book a ticket to the French countryside to study how to be a butcher. Oh. And then she wants to come back and sort of transplant what she's learned to her hometown of, I think, Portland, Oregon. So it's all about, yes, butchering, butchering. And I think she butchers pigs. It's not beef. So she learns how to butcher slaughter and then butcher the pigs and the proper way to do it and how to use um, all of the ingredients of the pig. It was really interesting. I mean, because there's just lots of food talk and there's sort of um, the debate on the philosophy of eating meat and whether you should be involved in the process, whether it should be more realistic because we're very removed from it in our country as opposed to the way France has like sort of a more organic approach to it. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting because it's about food politics. It's about a woman making a change in her life and trying to be successful and to do something meaningful in a field that is very male dominated. And I just thought it was a really great read. Hmm, that's interesting. It was really good. Okay. Um, and I'm just trying to see if there's anything else. There is a few other books that I read that came out in July that I will try to give people a heads up on. So Baby Teeth, which I mentioned, which is the super stressful book about the battle between um, this devoted mother and her mute and, I don't know, sort of dangerous child. That's out July 17th. And then there's this book coming out on July 24th. It's called Ghosted by Rosie Walsh. And I really enjoyed that one. What's that about? So it's about this woman who... She connects with a man and they start to fall in love. They fall in love or... And they have seven days of, like, the most perfect relationship, and then he disappears. And there are secrets about them. There's things about them that the other does not know. And so she is trying to figure out what happens. Like, they're supposed to go on vacation together when he disappears, and she just never hears from him. And, of course, because they had seven perfect days, she's wondering what the story is. So the book is about getting to the heart of why it is that they had such a great relationship 
and what happens to him and what happens to her and whether they find a way to get back to each other. Okay. So, you know, at the heart of these books, there's always a secret and it's always about whether they can work it out. Yep. Anything about ghosting is terribly timely too. (laughs) It seems to be such a, a theme. That's the word of the year, I guess. Right. Um, okay. Well, there's a nice little collection of July books for people to check out. Maybe if they're making a summer reading list or looking for something to bring on vacation, there's some new stuff to pick up in the library or the bookstore. Hopefully people will find something on there that appeals to them. Right. So until next time, happy reading. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com, and you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com, and Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time.